I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today, as always, is a beautiful, wonderful, terrific day. But it's also good weather. So I'm looking out, seeing the sunshine, seeing the little sort of gentle whiffs of cloud covering that nice blue sky and thinking to myself, wow, I can hardly wait to be done this so I can take my son for a walk in the sun. So let's get to it. Let's not take too long. Remember to stay to the very end of the show where I will do stories from the road. And before that, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway is probably going to be me because we are in December, and in December I feel very, very, well, actually all the time I feel generous, but I don't always grab that opportunity to hand out stuff. Sometimes I'll let my guests do it. So how about this? How about I ask my guest if she wants to hand out something and I'll hand out something. We'll just be generous all over the place. And if she says no, you're still good. All right, so I didn't warn her. And that, that's why I have to make sure I've covered my bases here. All right, today we're going to talk about something marvelous. And it's something I've talked about before. It's especially marvelous because I think it's important to bring in this season with a lot of cheer. And boy, oh boy, is there ever a lot of cheer when it comes to dating and sexual relations and the disabled. Ooh, that's a hot topic. Okay, so now you know what we're going to talk about. Here's the thing. Everyone deserves love. Let me say that again. Everyone deserves love. So when you look at your challenged child, especially if they're on the spectrum of autism, and somebody tells you that it's an antisocial disorder, and they tell you that they don't like to be touched, I would like to revamp that and say it's a anti, I don't want to hang out with people who don't like me disorder and a please don't touch me in ways I don't like to be touched disorder. And that's a different thing. So it's important that we always give a little voice to dating for the disabled. And I know we've done this before, but not with Christy. So Christy is... Well, first of all, her whole name would probably be useful, wouldn't it? Chrissy Goldstein is a life relationship and sex coach from Columbus, Ohio. Ohio keeps coming up in my life lately, and I'm not even going to tell you why. Okay, her new book, Dating with Disabled. Well, I might tell you. Okay, so I met this guy that I think is absolutely fantastic, and he's from Ohio. Okay, there, speaking of dating, now you know. Um, Her new book, Dating with Disabled, a self-help dating book, helping people with an illness with their dating lives, will be out February 14th, 2017. But wait, there's more. Uh, that, that's what she's wanting you to know about right now. But I looked her up on Facebook, and she's called the Sexpert. Now, that's really cool. Additionally, she writes the most interesting things. So she's the co-author of, check this out, Secrets to Drama-Free Love author at Dating While Disabled, author at Terrorism in America's Hospitals. This is what I call an eclectic woman. Christy Goldstein, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. So let's start with your backstory. How did you end up as a sexpert? Um, actually, kind of by chance a little bit. Um, I started writing uh, for your tango about five years ago, and one thing led to another, and then my nickname became the sexpert. <laughs> Well, I'm the brain broad, so I am not going to judge any kind of nicknames here. <laughs> Your tango, what's that? Um, it's a dating and relationship um, and sex advice uh, website, so we cover pretty much everything under the sun with dating, relationships, and sex. Oh, very cool. So yeah. how? All right, all right. So first of all, like I want. I'm good. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> First of all, I want you to know that I absolutely admire anybody who's willing to step into the field of sexuality and speak out because it's really kind of a hot topic that brings a lot of people um, some negative attention, especially when you dip into the world of the disabled. I had a lady on here before called Madam Becky, and she was opening a special house for the disabled. And wow, did people ever get uh, uh, interesting reactions on that one. So... Let's start with that. Since you decided to write about dating and the disabled, have you had any negative responses? Have you had any issues with that? Talk to me a little bit. Um, not really. I've, it's been at least what I've been talking about with regards to my book on Facebook. I haven't had any negative um, responses. A lot of people are excited because it's the first ever book written about um, dating with an illness. I mean, you can walk through every single self-help aisle in any bookstore or even online, and you're not going to find anything with dating and an illness for some reason. So I think it was a little taboo. I don't know if people think because you have an illness, that means you're pretty much scarred for life and, and can't find love. But in my opinion, I don't think that that matters whether you have an illness or not. So I know a lot of people... Um, you know, they think that when you have especially a mental illness, whether it's autism or um, Down syndrome, they think who's going to want them, so they shouldn't learn about dating and relationships and sex. But they should not be, you know, singled out to not learn it just because of their illness because they may find somebody who either has an illness themselves or doesn't have one and is perfectly okay with them being a little different than themselves. So well, I just feel like it's very, it's, it's very helpful to just, you know, let everybody know that they deserve love just like you had said in the beginning of your podcast. It, they, everybody deserves love. Yeah, I think it's also a little bit bigger issue than that in that, um, okay, so I'll tell you a quick story. I was uh, at a special needs bowling group with my son and one of the Down syndrome women came up to me and she started talking to me and because you know they have a different boundary for what they would be willing to say to somebody and she felt like I was warm and friendly and I had a son who was part of the program so she just came up to me and started talking to me about this other fellow who was there and how he had raped her and it wasn't nice to rape people and and I'm sitting there you know helping her and talking to her and I thought wow somebody needs to be much more comfortable in this world, talking about what good, healthy relationships are, talking about the signals that one person gives to another, talking about, you know, where the boundaries lie. So does your book encompass any of those kinds of things? It does. Um, right now I'm working with, um, I think, eight adults that have um, autism, and I'm trying to get them um, jobs like stable employment. And so on the side, I do like a sex edu education class for them as well. And a lot of 
the the things that they need to learn is boundaries because they don't know, well, your coworker is not somebody you want to try to, you know, become romantic right. with. Right. And, you know, it's all, it's, all you have to really do is, you know, tell them and keep telling them because they will get it. It just takes them a little bit longer to process the information and, you know, but they still need to know it because they are very vulnerable for sexual assault. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's just something that they need to be aware of as well, just to protect themselves, not just everybody else that they, you know, need to be aware of, but they just need to understand what type of relationships are okay and what type of relationships are not okay and what triggers should they learn so they know that they need to walk away from somebody. Right, and not to trigger others. Uh, One of the problems with many of the people, especially with Asperger's, is that they're very blunt. And so other people mistake that for honesty, by the way. It doesn't mean they don't lie. It just means they're blunt. And so they'll come out with, you know, they don't have a filter in the frontal lobe saying, yeah, that's not a good thing to say right now. And so then they'll say something that, you know, perhaps, wow, I think your breasts are beautiful or they're very squishy or whatever, and not stop and say, wow, you know, this is not the place for this. This person hasn't given me any signals that they want to hear that kind of thing. And so I'm hoping that your book covers some of that. It does. Uh, Repetitiveness is a huge thing with autism and um, Asperger's. It's they are constantly repeating the same things or behaviors. And so it's something that I covered. Um, I try to cover as many, like just types of illnesses as possible. Cause I myself have um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So originally it was just going to be about a physical illness, but I knew that if I wanted to make the book as good as I hope it will be, I needed to cover every single aspect of an illness, whether that's mental illness with depression, bipolar disorder, or, um, you know, go to the other end of the spectrum of Down syndrome or autism. So I'm trying to cover every single thing. It's kind of hard to do it in one book, but I am touching base with everything that will affect each different, like, subtype that or subcategory that I put in my book. I kind of really dig that because if it's all just for one population, everybody else doesn't pay attention. And if you're touching on everything, it really makes the point that everyone deserves to, first of all, love, but also needs information and practice on how to behave. Okay, let's roll this back a little bit. What is your disability? You said it so fast or your illness. Um, And say it slowly and tell people what it means. Um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or EDS for short, it's a connective tissue disorder affecting my collagen. So my collagen stretches, and it like like a rubber band is supposed to stretch and then snap back, and a normal person, mine continues to stretch until it breaks. So it can affect um, pretty much every single system in our in our bodies because collagen is I think eighty percent of our body. So it affects my organs, my bones, my skin. Um, my joints, and so, so far I've had 57 surgeries uh, correcting things that my body has done because of my EDS. Wow. But I look completely healthy, so that's that's the downside of it all. You look completely healthy, and so that's why I wanted to touch on invisible illnesses as well as physical disabilities because not everything can be seen by the eye, and so many people are so judgmental nowadays. And so it's just it's just something that I wanted to cover to make sure that everybody understood just because the woman you see, you know, in the handicapped spot looks completely healthy does not mean that she doesn't have an, a reason to have that handicap placard. Okay. So, so has that come up for you? Is that why you brought that up as an example? 
Yes, because I I try not to park there unless I'm hurting really badly that day. Um, And I think more often than not, I get looks. I've gotten notes put on my windshield saying that it was wrong of me to be using my grandparents or my mother's um, handicap sticker. I've had people yell at me um, and say that I shouldn't be parking there. And most of these people are fellow handicapped people that also have a, a sticker as well. So it's kind of funny to me that they're, you know, placing blame on something that they don't even know if, if I am, you know, doing it illegally or if it is mine. So a long time ago when I was young, I would yell right back, but now I just educate them because that's all I can do. Right. Right. And besides yelling that, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to help anybody, right? It doesn't. It just and doesn't. your blood pressure will go up and your heart will be racing, you know, whatever. Um you know, I think a lot of people with autistic children have the same issue because very often the children can look very regular. Um, on a good day, you can't see a reason why that handicap spot was used. On a bad day, you can see that they barely made it to or from the car. So, um, you know, this is just stuff that we have to get out there and talk about and make people more cognizant of. It's it's just our job, unfortunately, when we have issues in our homes and in our bodies. We just have to be the ones that are the models for it. So how is sex for you? Um, I've actually dislocated a hip during sex. Um, a knee, an elbow, a shoulder, it's kind of, um, <laughs> it's been interesting because sometimes it can just uh, like sublux, which is not a full di- dislocation, and so it'll just pop right back, so it's not a huge deal, but I've had a couple of times where my hip has dislocated, and um, I had to try to get it back in, and one time I couldn't, and so I had to go to the ER, so that was fun, um, but for the most part, sex is very inter- interesting. I also put in my book like ways to have a better sex life with using pillows, um, you know, yoga objects that they have that everybody in yoga uses. I always forget what they're called, but like just little styrofoam, little, you know, mats and everything that you can help because a lot of people with a physical illness, they think that they cannot have a satisfying sex life, which is false. They can, but they have to work at it, and they got to know what works and what doesn't. And sometimes it takes a while for you to figure out what's going to work. It's just, it's you know, trial and error. Do you have a patient partner for that, or is that something that you're always trying to figure out? Um, I've pretty much got it down at this point. So um, before I've had some patient partners and some some of them, because I look healthy, have said to them, you know, to me and to people around them that they think I'm exaggerating my illness because I look perfectly healthy. Um, And so they just assume because I try to act as normal as possible and do things that I probably shouldn't do, but I just prefer to not be left out in certain things. Um, I think that they're just stuck in their head that she looks healthy, therefore she can be normal like all the other people I've been with in the past. And so they forget that. Right. Uh, it's right. kind of like you just have to keep reminding them. But, right. You know, right. And then it's a, a plus and a minus, right? It's nice if they forget and you wish they wouldn't forget. <laughs> kind oh, of like yeah. that. That's yeah. how it always works with an illness because sometimes you're like, I really wish you would just let me do my thing. And if I hurt later, then that's my fault. But just let me push myself. But then, the, you know, the double-edged sword on that is the days that they push you and it's something you know you can't do, but they're not getting it because you've been doing other things. I know this is a genetic disorder, but what I don't know about this one is, um, does that mean that it's inherited from your family and somebody else has it, or is that My mother. Yeah, okay. So you knew that was a possibility, or you knew all along? 
Um, well, I was diagnosed first, and then she was diagnosed second. Then um, three of my cousins have been diagnosed. My um, aunt has it, and my uncle has it. And so it goes deep in my family. Okay. Um, so it just, each person is different on how it affects them. Some are perfectly healthy and have no issues. And there are others that have small issues, but they don't want to get diagnosed because they know that it's kind of looks bad on your, you know, your medical insurance. So they just right. don't even bother with it. And then the other people are older and don't care at this point if they have it or not. Right. So here's here's where that's very similar to autism in that um, a lot of the time if you have one autistic child, you start looking around and you go, holy cow, our family's loaded with it and we didn't even recognize it for a while. Um, and then you, you get sort of a language amongst yourself. You become sort of a bubble within a bubble. And it's it's easy to develop a uh, type of humor and a type of outlook that doesn't match the rest of the world. So my question is, has that happened to you, and how do you combat that? Um, honestly, it has, but it's kind of... It, before I started writing, I laid in my bed for probably eight years just doing surgery after surgery. So, like, my, my mindset is, com- is completely different from before, so um, I guess I really don't know how to ask that because it's, it's every day is different. Okay. You know? So you haven't become like this group of people in the family that all talk about EDS and, and nobody can follow your conversation? Uh, some people, I choose not to talk about it unless it's like with regards to my writing. Um, when it comes to my family, my mom, on the other hand, she prefers to tell anybody and everybody under the sun that will listen <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm more private when it comes to, uh, I'll say I have EDS, but I'm not going to tell you every little thing that it affects my life day to day. My mom is a little bit more open about that because she wants everybody to know how, what, what a struggle it is. Um, so they, they talk amongst themselves, but for me, I just kind of, if they have a question for me, I'm happy to answer it if I know the answer. But other than that, I really don't want to, you know, talk about it 24 seven like they do. So it's kind of. You know, I do it for awareness purposes just because of the position that I'm in with my platform. And so, I mean, not that many people have EDS. They say 250,000 people, but that has been raising every single year and more doctors are becoming more aware of it, which is, again, another double-edged sword because people may not have it but are getting diagnosed with it because nothing else fits. Right. And that's a huge problem because there's no way to really diagnose. Um, There's six different types and the, the one that can be um, tested genetically is the vascular type, which is the um, where it's very possible where like a, a valve or something can just burst because of the collagen stretching. So, and there's other factors that go into the vascular, um, but all the others are not, they can't test it anyway, except for like the Baton score and the Baton score is very old and not very good to be used. Um, so they pretty much just, test your flexibility in different areas of your body. And you can get, I believe it's a 9 out of 9. And when I first did the Baton score, I scored a 9 out of 9. But I think I would only score a 7 out of 9 now because as you get older, the flexibility starts to go. It's You're still more flexible than a normal person, but it's not as as bad as your body's becoming stiff from all the dislocations and other right. things that are affecting it. So 
Yeah, but to answer your question, I I prefer not to talk about EDS twenty four seven. But my mom, she'll tell you every single day what's what's ailing her. <laughs> so I I try to look at the positives of it all. So if I made it through the day and I only had a few aches and pains, then I'm not going to mention it because it was a good day. There you go. So what is your hope for this book? I'm hopeful that it will bring more awareness to the fact that we are still able to date. Yes, we have an illness. Yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about, and it's hard to know when to talk about it, which is a huge section in my book on when to tell a partner, Um, because I feel there's a lot of people that say you should do it on the first date because whoever's going to run, let them run. But my problem with that is, is that if you don't even know you're going to see that guy, because you may say, I don't want, you know, there's no connection there. Why are you telling them something so personal about you that they should not be deserving of? So once you start seeing that there's a future, that's when I think you should tell somebody just because you trust that person with that information. Telling somebody on the first date is not something I would prefer to do. So Okay. All right. So I'm sure there's a lot of um, differing opinions on that sort of saying each other, like having herpes, sure. I suppose. You, do you want to share or don't you? Except that herpes is contagious and this is not. So that's a good thing. However, if you had children, you'd have to be concerned of passing it on, right? Yeah, I have a 50-50 shot, and my boyfriend knows that, and he thinks because his side of the family is very healthy that we've got a balanced-out chance. So we'll see on that one. But, you know, it's also... They could have EDS, but it not be as severe as mine or severe as severe as my mother's. So, I mean, there's always a good and, and downside. It just depends on what kind of day you're looking at and if you're going to be positive and happy and think that the coin is always going to be in your favor. Or if it's not, I choose to have the coin in my favor. Okay, so when we come back from this mid-break, I just want to talk a little bit about using the word illness and, and you know, talk about the sensitivity to your own disability because it's up in the news right now. Everybody's all annoyed about somebody being called autistic as if autism is a dirty word. Okay, you are listening to a new spin on autism answers. Oh, there's that dirty word. You are listening to a new spin on autism answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Bro. And we are talking with Christy Goldstein. She is a sexpert, and she's written a book that isn't quite out yet, but that you want to keep an eye out for. It's called Dating While Disabled, and I really think that's a much-needed subject to have covered. We've talked with people before who do, who do, who do um, blogs and that sort of thing, but we've never had somebody on that has a book, so that's really cool. Um, stay to the end of the show, where I will do stories from. Okay, okay, the great guest giveaway. All right, we're back, and I want to talk a little bit about, and we don't have a lot of time left, but I really want to talk a little bit about your referring it to it as the illness, the illness, or people get all sensitive. Are you sensitive about EDS? Are you coming across people that want you to say, uh, you know, person first, disability second? Like, how does PC affect your world? Um, you know, it's funny because I never actually thought about how, you know, how it would affect somebody else by saying illness. Me, it does not trigger me at all. Um, I don't care if you call it syndrome, you know, illness or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't bother me. But with my job, um, my other job, I have like seven jobs, but um, with my one job where I'm working with autism adults, they really try to strive that you do not say that they have an illness or that they are disabled and 
make sure that you say it positively that they just have autism and not, um, you know, a disability. Because obviously when you look at disability, there's a, a bad connotation with it. Um, me personally, it doesn't affect me. I know that there's some people that it does affect and, you know, more power to them if they don't want them to use that word. But the reality is, is that it's not good or bad. Whatever illness you have, it's just something that you have to deal with. It's not anything that should be looked negatively upon. Yeah, it affects your life negatively, but it doesn't have to be all negative. It's all a matter of mindset, in my opinion. Right. And in my opinion, if we turn it into all about the word, we miss the opportunity to actually help ourselves because we're so Mm -hmm. focused on the distractor, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, because I'm so blunt, so don't mind me, but for me, I just just prefer, tell it how it is. It, it, It is an illness. It is a disability. It affects everybody differently. And if anybody has an issue with the word itself, maybe they need to look at themselves to see why they have that issue with that word. Yeah. Because there's usually, you know, whenever you have like a a bad taste in your mouth on a word, it's usually something in the past that has made you feel that way about that one word. I mean, Mia, there's a few words that I don't like to hear and I don't know why, but they're, they just, for some reason they get on my nerves. So, I mean, it could be the same thing on that one, but I don't it also I, gives I guess people the power to hurt you. You know, you're much better off um, sort of cleaning out the palate and getting comfortable with any words that come out because the minute that you start being sensitive about something, you now set yourself up for the possibility of pain. Yeah, and you, I mean, you're giving power to somebody that you shouldn't even be giving power to. Right. Sort of um, like if telling somebody, them on the first date, right? If you haven't decided yeah. you don't even like them. Exactly. That's. I mean, for me, it's. I decided a long time ago. Once I was dating twenty four seven, I went on every single date I, that anybody asked me out just to see the patterns that I was doing and the patterns that men were doing at the time. And I did it at different times. I would sometimes I would tell them on the first date, and sometimes I would tell them on the sixth date. And to be honest with you, the sixth date was always the better option, just because the first date you just basically put out. Every, you might as well tell them that, you know, you, you fart in your sleep, you're, you snore. Right. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you. By the way, I fart in my sleep. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like it's, it's weird because you're putting out, you know, what you think that they're going to think is bad. And not everybody's going to think that you having bipolar or autism or, you know, any other physical illness or mental illness, it's not always going to make them feel like, oh, you're, you're damaged. You're undateable. Right. So if you are are having a problem with it, then you need to start thinking first self-love. That's a big tra- chapter in my book that says love yourself first and your illness. You have to love both of them because otherwise you're just going to keep having the same patterns and you're going to be running into the same people who cannot give you what you need because you, you one, don't know what that is, and, two, you don't even love yourself and what you have because, I mean, EDS, yeah, it's not exactly a great disease to have because there's no cure. There's never going to be a cure. And, you know, I dislocate just walking down the stairs. But it also has made me look at life differently in a more positive way. So yeah. you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I, I totally love what you just said because I know a lot of people that hate the autism. 
And it's, you know, the parents will say, I love my child, I hate the autism. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's all one and the same. So you can't yeah. hate the autism and love your child. Actually Gotta can't. Both. Gotta love both, because that, that's what makes them them. Right, right. You know, it's like I mean, saying, I have it's like saying I love my child, but I hate that they're tall, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like, kind of goofy. So, um, all right, so we're almost at the end. What would you like to share with people right now? What do you think is the most important bit of advice you can give parents out there that are coping with the idea of maybe introducing the concept of dating to children that they never thought would grow up to date? I would honestly let them look at themselves and think of what's more important for their children rather than what they're thinking, because all of us get hurt by trying to be in love. I mean, that's just how it's going to be, and they're they're not going to be any different. So anytime that they decide that it's okay for them to have, you know, sex education or if they start to go on dates, just let them do it. Let them fall in love. Let them get their hearts broken. It's something everybody has to go through regardless of what you have impeding your your dating life. We all have something. Dating dating sucks. Let's just be real. It sucks. It's, it's tedious, and you've got to meet so many different people before you finally find the one. And it, there's no exception to that, whether you have a disability or you don't. So However, awesome. finding someone who's really awesome with you, that does not suck. That is true. That is true. It took me 34 years to get to my person, so it took a moment. But, hey, it, at least I found him. So, and it wasn't when I was, like, 60 and couldn't do anything at that point. So, there you go. Hey, girlfriend, I'm going to be 60 on my next birthday. Hush your mouth. <laughs> All right. So tell people how to get a hold of you or follow you or whatever it is you want to share. Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, which you can just look up my my name, Christy Goldstein, and I have a fan page. I have a personal account that you can follow um, and get my updates. I'm so bad at my fan page, but the Facebook regular page, um, anybody can search me and anybody can follow me. Um, you can also find me at com from my website, and it'll have all my links to my Facebook, my Twitter, and all my other social media that I have. That's wonderful. Well, that's been fun, and good luck with your wonderful guy. It's thank a guy, you. right? I don't want yes. to make assumptions here. Okay. <laughs> so enjoy. Um, thank you for being part of the show. And do you have any last words? No, thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. And hopefully everybody um, benefits from my book, and happy dating. All right, people, you got to check her out. Her book's not going to be out until when? February 14th. All right, that's perfect. Valentine's Day, you now know what to get your children that are your older children. Okay. (laughs) All right, take care. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Well, that was Christy Goldstein, the sexpert, and she has her very own special disability, and actually it's a pretty cool one. I don't mean it's cool to have. I just mean it's a cool one because I haven't interviewed somebody with EDS before, so I was really kind of thrilled, and I hadn't even known it going in. So there you go. We now get to find out that illness belongs to all of us. And I kind of like the word illness. I hadn't used it before in autism, but you know, the fact is we're not operating the way that we were designed to operate when we have autism and that's what you call an illness. So it's not a bad word. I kind of like it. 
All right, it is time for OK, 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 the great guest giveaway. And because it's the holiday season and because nobody uses CD players anymore or DVDs, I have to get rid of these. So I'm going to give away five, count them, five of my CDs. With the, It's like a CD DVD package. So you get to have the music videos and you get the full uh, music comedy show about autism. It's called Going Crazy to Sane. And I'm really excited to share that with you because, you know, from now on it's going to be digital only. So you're getting something that if I signed it might be worth something someday. You never know. Of course, I'm turning 60, so I might die before I'm famous. But anyways, <laughs> make sure you get that. Send me an email at mom number 4 evermore. So it reads mom forevermore. At Juno, not Gmail, Juno, J-U-N-O dot com. Now, yes, you could send it to me at Lynette at LynetteLouise.com or Lynette at BrainBody.net. But I just really like my personal email for you guys because it's Mom Forevermore. And that's the kind of show we do. We do the kind of show that's talking to parents. And talking to each other means you should be talking to me through Mom Forevermore at Juno dot com. All right, so now let's go to stories from the road. And boy, oh boy, did a story ever pop to mind while I was talking to Christy. So I was in, um, actually I was in Santa Monica, but it was somebody that I was meeting for the first time to work with who's autistic, young man, about 14 years old, but he had come from another country. He just happened to be here doing an art camp. And so his mom thought, well, why not? kill two birds with one stone, you know, I'll do the art camp and then we'll do the outreach and we'll learn all about neurofeedback and how Lynette does it and all that. So um, I did meet him here, but he is from some other part of the world, which if I identify that, you might be able to figure out who he is, since I have a lot of those people listening to the show. So I'm going to leave that out. But anyway, so here we are. We're in a hotel because, you know, they're staying in Santa Monica where they don't actually live. So we're in a hotel and I'm working with uh, the young man and the mom decides to give us some privacy so that we can, you know, talk about things that maybe he wouldn't say in front of her. So, and he, he's verbal, obviously. So she leaves and as soon as she leaves, he jumps on me and tries to kiss me. Well, I'm fine. I handle this stuff all the time. It's my job. I just point out to him how wrinkled I am and that we don't really match in age and all this stuff. But he actually had a serious issue here. It was with some of the kids, that's all it takes. I just sort of go, no, no, we're friends and this is what appropriateness is and this is how friends snuggle and this is how not friends snuggle. And I talk a little bit about what a girlfriend is and a boyfriend and it's a part of what I have to share and teach. However... This young man, um, he had an actual issue that showed up the next time that I visited him and the time after that. And these were in different locations in the world. And so I had to take it to his mom. And I had already told her after the first incident, but I had to take it to her and say, look, I think you need to deal with this. This is not going to be pretty. Um, This is a situation where he needs lots of information, he needs some real help, or you're going to have um, some negative things happening. And she was upset and didn't want that kind of conversation from me and didn't want to think about it in that way because he was autistic and he's not going to do that sort of thing. And I'm like, he knows enough to wait till you leave. He's very sneaky about it and assertive. This is an issue. And so, and like very assertive, the third time he threw his hand down my pants and I'm like, okay, 
This has to be dealt with. So because of that, she was uncomfortable enough that I never was asked back. And then about a year and a half later, I got a call, and she was like, you're right. You know, some things have happened, and we're in a lot of trouble, and what should we do? So I bring that up. I'm not going to give you any more information because that's really moving outside of what I can share. But I bring it up because I want you to understand that your children need information. They need the boundaries of life. And I don't mean tell them this is my bubble and this is your bubble and don't break my bubble and don't step into my space. That doesn't help them. All you're saying then is no, you're not allowed to have a connection with people. You hear that? You can't tell them they can't have a connection with other humans and expect them to make it through puberty intact. So if you want to help your child, begin now whatever age they're at because it takes them a long time to figure it out. So start teaching how to be close, how to be connected to people, where they can touch, you know, stroking an arm is okay, holding a hand, like really get specific, really, really specific and help them to know when they're crossing boundaries and where the boundaries lie because it's always different depending on is it a, you know, is it a cousin, is it a neighbor, is it a stranger, are we at the movies, are we, you know, are we at school? I mean, it's all different, and it's going to take a long time for them to understand. Start today. I don't care how old your child is, start today. All right, this is a very important show. I hope you listen to the very end. My name is Lynette Louise, and I am your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, you've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. Thank you for being here, because without you, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.